Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We also want to let you know that you can now join our patron programme. Starts from £5 a month to £10 or £20, depending on uh, what you want. Each tier allows you slightly different levels of access. Uh, depending on which one you choose, you can enjoy early access to podcast episodes, exclusive member benefits, merchandise, shout-outs, and your chance to feature on one of our shows any support you can give us is massively appreciated and will help us grow and continue to bring cool content to race fans all over the world uh, you can find the link on our socials just search for motormouth or go to patreon.com don't forget to like and subscribe and you can also leave us a review download the motormouth app where you can get live race times exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy welcome to episode 17 of the motormouth podcast alongside me in, in a different county um, is the uh, well-groomed, lovable, affable, big friendly giant, Mr. Harry Benjamin. Hello, Harry. How are you? Hello. Your introductions get odder <laughs> by the day. Um, it's all factually correct. well-groomed though. today. Well, uh, you, you, you usually are well-groomed and you are a big friendly giant. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. I'll stick that on the CV. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Quarantine is treating me well. I'm back in the cupboard as ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I uh, I do my regular Joe Wicks uh, morning workout uh, followed. Uh, and then this afternoon, I think I'll go out for my uh, allocated outside time, which yes. I look forward to immensely. Um, but no, apart from that, quarantine going all right so far. How's it in your neck of it? How's the whole homeschooling? It's How getting the there. Schooling going. It's getting there. We're doing all right. Um, I think mm. so far today, Chloe's managed about twenty minutes with Arthur. What time is it now? It's one o'clock. So not what great. Subject? Um, generic. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't really do. I mean, it's basically you know, ooze, ease, ah, mm, f, ah, you know, okay. yeah. f- phonetics and uh, and all those. So you're not qualified for that kind of thing, then, really. Well, no, I can't read all right, so um, I'll leave no. Chloe to it. Uh, but no, we're, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Um, right, let's get on with the show. Um, so today we are joined by the hardest working man in motorsport, Ollie Webb. Um, he joins us on the line. We're working remotely still as we're all locked down with coronavirus. Um, he's joining us, I expect, from his home in Cheshire after uh, a track day in Silverstone was, was cancelled due to the dreaded COVID-19. Um, Ollie started racing in carts um, relatively late, I think, between the ages of nine or ten or there or thereabouts, moving up the ranks um, in the Manchester motorsports scene and onto bigger things in T cars, Formula BMW, Formula Renault, Formula Three, Indy Lights, European Le Mans, Dubai 24 Hours, and the World Endurance Championship, where he now resides with Bike Collis in LMP1. He's a regular on the uh, famous Goodwood Hill in BOC's Mono and W Motors machines, and he's a former client of none other than me. Did I ever tell you that, Harry? Did I ever tell you that? Oh, shocker. Not another driver. I guided him with his commercial prowess, um, with mixed success, let's be honest, for a few years, uh, way back when. Um, He's a supercar aficionado and can often be found on uh, YouTube, mixing it with the likes of Seen Through Glass and Supercars of London. A former guest on uh, the podcast, um, Seen Through Glass, and we're delighted to finally have Ollie on the show after chasing him around the world for the past six months. Ladies and gentlemen, a big motormouth welcome, Mr. Ollie Webb. Hey! Hey. How are you doing? Good to be here. Well, good to be in the same place I've been all week. Where are you? Are, are, yes, how, are you at home? quarantine treating you? It's treating me okay. I mean, uh, being uh, in the countryside is paying off. So uh, we've got 
of course, the best weather possible when we're not allowed to go out and use it. But no, we're we're happy and uh, got the other half back from America, so we've got all Lovely. the family together. Uh, so it's good to uh, good to be happy and healthy. Excellent, excellent. What's it like up? You're Cheshire based, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. What's it like up there, Ollie? I mean, it's all, 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 all the way up in the north. What? What is electricity? Is, is that in? You know, we got it last week. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Light bulb was invented before that. Um, but we've got it's 18 degrees outside right yeah. now and sunny. Positively, I'm wearing warming. shorts. It is lovely weather. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I've just I've just sat outside and had my salad. It was smashing sun, sunglasses on. Beautiful. Can't complain. Oh, exactly. Can't complain. So I'm uh, going to go out and have uh, a bit of a run, I think, in a bit. But uh, no, we're lucky. We've got literally miles of empty fields kind of out yes. and around here. So you won't see a soul. But I suppose you can even, you know, with uh, coronavirus, you can still take the car out, I presume, and have a bit of a thrash. Yeah, I was actually researching that um, this week, like what's advised and what's not. And going on a drive is what in the top six things you're, you're actually allowed to do, even during lockdown. Um, I mean, you can't be more isolated than locked in your car. You're just not allowed to get out. So that's, yeah. that's great. I mean, the roads are empty. Go, go to Wales, maybe have a little drive around and then come back. Oh, God, yeah. So you're near the Welsh border. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I can get to Anglesey Race Circuit in just over an hour. Oh, ideal. Te- very tempting in these times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, should, we, should we dive in? Let's... Let's take it all the way back as we as we <laughs> So talk us through racing, motorsports. How did it come about? What was the first, what was the light bulb moment in your head when you were a kid being like, yeah, this is what I want to do? Um, I think my earliest memory of actually getting involved in motorsport or, or karting, should we say, at the beginning was was just going to a birthday party, like a, like a team sport or, or like uh, one of those Daytona karting style indoor places. Um, it wasn't in the family, um, as it is with kind of, I'd say 80, 90% of, of drivers, there was no kind of father, godfather or, or anything like that involved. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with the speed. So I, I, I didn't really have any friends or family to turn to that, that liked it in the same way I did. Um, all very supportive of it, but I was kind of on my own in, uh, kind of comparing it to, uh, to, to what I liked with friends and, and I got addicted to karting, uh, what I thought was early, um, at about 10 or 11 years old as it turns out I was probably about five years too late <laughs> in terms of how early people start now but yeah that's how I kind of got into it was there any other path that you were you were looking at apart from racing did you think this is it once you got on, on into that car uh, into that cart rather for the first time do you think this is where I want to be I'm happy here there's nothing else that I've got in my mind I want to do yeah that was it it was 100% tunnel vision and and to the point where it wasn't even okay, what if this doesn't work or what's my backup option um, or what do I do on the side? Absolutely everything from the subjects I chose to study at school to get me through school, every single thing had an angle to help. So if I, when I'm choosing my subjects at school, I'd choose business studies so I could learn how to get sponsors. And then when I would choose um, the artsy subject we had to choose, I'd choose photography so that I can get my sponsorship brochures right. And then yeah. everything was just as a means to an end. And you take that business side of racing quite seriously don't you I mean the whole sponsorship element which is obviously vital for all drivers is an area that you get very involved with um do you think it's it's an art that perhaps more drivers should should take more focus in and and try and um you know develop their own presentations in a in a nice way get nice photography done focus on their social media and so on 
Yeah, I think it's a nice balance. I mean, I think right now we're kind of in a in a decent stage where people are aware of it and and they concentrate on their socials well. Um, you, I've been guilty of focusing on it too much. Um, there's a right balance and having the right team around you obviously helps. Um, but there was just always that lingering thought of um, it doesn't matter how good you are if you don't have that opportunity there or you're not prepared and ready then it's then it's not going to happen so yeah you've got to be all rounded in that for sure that's what something has really struck me is in my research for this of course uh, i saw a uh, a very old clip of you and i think it was jack harvey on bbc f1 being interviewed by uh, oh, yeah. jake humphreys and um uh, dc and the way and you were talking about uh, being sponsored by team uk i think it was at the time yeah. uh and just the way you know you i don't know how old you were there but you seem very young but just the way you you came across and you seemed very ahead of the curve of your time you think drivers you know you look at lando norris for instance you know he's he seems very on it and he's yeah. quite a young guy but you were there way before that yeah i think i was i was quite into that side of it quite earlier and that and that is thanks to you know brdc superstars msa elite uh, team uk that team um, but also the BMW scholarship that I got when I was, I think, 13, 14, um, before I finally ended up in the Formula BMW Championship. And all of those roles had media training in them, which at 14 you would never normally get. Um, and I got lucky that those schemes all kind of came around just as I was coming through. And because I was mm. into it anyway and I knew I needed it, um, it was just the perfect fit. So, I, um, yeah, I kind of I loved those kind of opportunities and I knew that I was live on you know, at that point, BBC F1, when there was no Sky Sports, there was nothing else. And I knew that was kind of my opportunity. That was my kind of Oprah Winfrey interview yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eddie came across very well. I think Eddie Jordan was very impressed from what I've seen. <laughs> um, so going up through your career, though, if you if you take a, a quick look back, you know, we, described, we, we said some of the stuff that you've, some of your uh, key highlights so far. Do you have a, a proud moment that sticks out for you that you always, always come back to? Um, I think... There's two which which stand out clearly above the rest. I can't separate them quite as much from each other, but I think one of them was 2010. Um, we'd just come back from... It was in the Formula 3 Championship, and it was quite close between me, James Collado, Felipe Nazar, Jean-Éric Verne, um, so and a couple of others. Um, and I just lost out twice at my home track that Verne had never been to. And he won both races and I came second in both and he'd never been to the track. So it was quite tough on me. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Magni Core, which was his home track. Um, and I'd never been to it. Um, and I won both races and came second in the reverse grid race and, and took the lead in the championship. And that was one of my favorite moments, um, you know, coming back from utter disappointment, um, and then the other one is of course, standing, standing on Le Mans podium is, is one I'll mm. never forget. Um, and uh, yeah, frustrating to have done it in my very first year rather than built up to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to have to work back towards that again. Yeah, you set the bar high. Um, was yeah. was uh, was Formula One ever the dream? Um, you know, when you started out or as you were progressing through your career, was that your focus or did you think from early on, you know, financially or, you know, whatever reason, that's not where I'm going to go? It was it was 100% the dream. Um and it was the only path I was looking at, um, again, maybe a bit too tunnel visioned uh, for a while, uh, probably all the way up until kind of 2012-ish um, era. And we had a few reserve driver kind of contracts fall on the table. And then when we kind of started realizing that, uh, oh, it might just be possible if we get enough sponsorship to get in here to, to do it. Um, 
But I think one of the best things that, that ever happened was um, ending up in endurance racing in 14. Um, and although it was a very tough pill to swallow, um, the start of 14, half of my mind was like, oh, if you do this, this is the end of Formula One. You're going into endurance. Uh, and then the other half realized how enjoyable it was and also how long a career you can have in, in something like road sport when you're yeah. in endurance racing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you've you've driven some F1 cars, haven't you? I think um, I'd read somewhere that you, you've driven Kimi's 2011 F1 car and a 2013 Sauber. What what are they like to drive? Is it a sort of um, completely, um, a, you know, out-of-body, otherworldly experience? How does it compare to some of the LMP cars that you've driven? Um. I mean, obviously the most exciting answer would be, yeah, it's so different to everything else, but it, other than the braking, which I think still nothing can come close to what a Formula One can, car can do on the brakes, aero-wise, acceleration-wise, et cetera, et cetera, LMP1 cars feel virtually identical with just a bit more weight involved. Um so although it was really fun to have driven a few of those Formula One cars and, and some older ones as well, actually Kimmy's car was the exact chassis when in the race when he said, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, uh, brilliant. <laughs> and actually, I fit in his seat, so I didn't need to get a second molded seat. So I used that seat all day that day, which was great fun. Uh, <laughs> so you have the same bottom shape as Kimmy Raikkonen. Exactly, yeah. Ideal. We have the same bumps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same Top squats. Top of the CV, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the downforce on the braking because of how light the car is, is is second to none. And that feeling is is incredible. Now, and obviously that engine car was was a nice screaming engine. So that was great as well. Um, but then the LMP1 cars, such as the 919 hybrid, um, or, or even the even the privateer cars like the Rebellions now, for instance, yeah. they're, they're quicker mid-corner than the Toyotas and the, the 919s ever were. So it's, it's unbelievable. We have more surface area, so we literally create more downforce than yeah. the Formula 1 car. You've also raced over in the States in your sort of junior career, Indy Lights, which is the series sort of the junior category for IndyCar, I suppose, for anyone who doesn't know. What's what's the racing like over there? Is it a completely different way of life and a way of living? It is, yeah, very much so. And I really, really fell in love with America that year when I, when I moved over there. I was living in Indianapolis at first, which wasn't the most exciting place in the mm. world, but was where I needed to be for... Um, for motorsport, living and breathing it, going to the factory every single day and then gym and simulator every single day. Um, and it was just a real, real fun way um, of doing motorsport. And, and I did the last three races at the end of 2010, I think it was, or, or 11, just to test my feet in it um, and got um, two or three podiums. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm going to easily win this. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up and do that. Uh, first couple of races were great. I think we had a, a pole and a podium, and then I went on an oval. And oh, I was like, no. Ah, no, 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 oh, no. I'm not great at this. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, forget it. It's it's yeah. it's it's madness. I know that you know you and I both know Max Chilton um, very well, and uh, he's stopped doing them now, hasn't he? He's he's like, yeah. no, enough's enough. I mean, it is terrifying. I mean, traveling at what 230 miles an hour plus. With mm -hmm. a dozen cars around you, it must fill you with complete horror. It, it does. I mean, when I was by myself and I did my first oval in Fontana um, in LA, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, you've got to be so accurate. I've got a newfound respect. And I do. So ever since doing ovals, I'm obsessed now with watching the Indy 500, whereas yeah. before I'd have it on in the background. Everything from the weight jacker to the tiny millimeters of toe you adjust and, and trimming off the wing, it is super, super exciting when you're alone. Yeah. 
But side by side, it's just, and it doesn't help that my first oval was Vegas, and obviously Dan Weldon passed away yeah. during that, so that was pretty tough. And then the next oval I did, I broke my foot, so I was like, okay, this isn't really. I'm not enjoying it as much. I'm fighting <laughs> for my life to finish sixth. Yeah. So it's like, is it worth it? And that's that. I did. I finished the year, but um, I didn't think I'd ever go back to ovals. I mean, I say that, but you know, if someone called me up and offered me an Indy five yeah. seat. Yeah, might take it back. What's it like? Feel. What's the feeling like when you're in mid pack? 200 miles an hour plus in an oval what what sort of movement is there in this through the steering wheel and what are you experiencing can you sort of articulate that for us it's so uh, minimal everything you need to do um and also quite um quite ridiculous that the, the the differences in the way you drive compared to everything you've been trained in your life before. I'll give you one example for instance when your the gear ratios are trimmed so closely together at the top that if you're in second place, for instance, and you're in a toe, you'll be in fifth gear. And as you pull out of that toe to hit the physical wind hitting the car, you stay full throttle and go down a gear. Right. Which everything in your head thinks, I'm about to blow this engine up. But obviously, they're so close together in RPM that you're using that extra bit of friction from the wind to, to push through it with the engine. Yeah. So everything's so finely tuned. Uh, and, and, you know, you cannot. I mean, you can't cough or blink or anything because you're just going to yeah. steer completely the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. And the safety's not quite there yet, is it? I mean, I, I don't know what it's like, you know, in very recent history, but when you look back at some of the accidents that have been over the past few years and you see people flying into the fence and hitting a metal pole, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they've got the adequate safety measures in place to warrant that kind of racing. Yeah. The, so the issue they've got is, and I think that it is getting much, much better, but the issue they've got is, is they've got the most dangerous style of motorsport possible with tracks that are behind the safety of Formula One, which are a lot, lot safer to drive in anyway. Um, so the Formula One cars are going like 100 mile an hour slower with 10 times the runoff and then a safer barrier mm. and then a catch fencing. Mm. Um, so it, it's so different, the safety versus the speed. So it does need to, uh, to improve. And, you know, like a, a hockey-style stadium of see-through glass all the way around would be the ideal. But I yeah. know that would cost a fortune in maintenance. So it's not mm. going to happen anytime soon. Well, you now race with the private team in LMP1 by Collis in the World Endurance Championship, which, of course, for anyone who, who is a novice, is the big one is the 24-hour Le Mans. Can you... Talk us through firstly, you know what that's what that's like and how that experience came about, but also just the differences in tiers because it, in in the World Endurance Championship, because obviously you've got the hybrids and the privateers and then LMP2 and all that. So if, could you just sort of talk us through that? Yeah. So uh, my first year in endurance was in LMP2. Uh, it's very clear. So you kind of have uh, LMP1, which is like your Formula One cars, but racing in the same race with Formula Two, for instance, which is the LMP2. And then you have the two tiers of GT, which are GT Pro, which have only professionals in the car, and Pro-Am, which often gets mistaken for two pros and an AM, when actually that AM is the equivalent of someone who's, I don't know, an extremely good driver, mm. like a, a Chris Harris or a Buzz, for instance. Um, mm. So it's not an AM-AM. So those four categories all race in the same race together, and the shortest race we do is four hours, and the longest is the Le Mans 24-hour, which is 24 hours. Um, and obviously the higher in the ranking up towards LMP1 you go, the more downforce, better brakes, better fuel consumption, more expensive the car is and the quicker it is. So by Collis, talk us through your experience in LMP1 privateers so far. So it was pretty tough at the beginning. I mean, it's been tough all the way through, but in terms of the beginning that we had ups and downs and at least the ups were were kind of rewarded because the classes were separated a lot more clear. So within that LMP1 class, you had the privateer teams, which are effectively 
you know, anyone who's spending, you know, 30 million or less effectively and isn't mm-hmm. a solid manufacturer. And then the factory teams such as Porsche, Toyota uh, and Audi, who will be spending 300 to 400 million euros a year. So more of an F1 style budget. Um, so because of that, we had separate podiums. Um, we didn't have hybrid. We have a lot less power and we're a good five seconds or more a lap slower. Um, and that's how it was the first couple of years, which was great because every now and then if, if our car actually got to the finish, um, old school style endurance racing, then that was a, a prize in itself. And we'd end up on the um, privateer podium because there was about four privateers at that point. And that was great. Uh, unfortunately, the last 12 months worth of privateer racing with Audi and Porsche being gone the last couple of years, um, they put us all into the same podium because for the championship, it doesn't look good if only one privateer is on the podium and one Toyota is on the other podium. The downside of that is, is we're about 250 to 300 million short a year from a team budget yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, without without a nice battery pack on the front wheels so it's uh, it make it i mean understandably for anyone who knows the sport it just ends up the and i do the same you just end up watching the gt battle because yeah. the lmp1 battle is so damn boring and i'm racing in it so it's mm. such a shame to say that but it's the way it's become what's the what's the motivation for someone like colin and you know by collis what's their motivation for competing in lmp1 i mean colin colin's been obsessed with doing it himself uh, and we need people like that in the sport for so long i mean he's been um, the the team boss behind teams like uh, HRT and, and Super Aguri and these Formula One teams um, of the past and, and many more and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few um, and he's been the, the the man behind those teams before and he's just wanted to be able to do it himself without a manufacturer attached um, and, and we've and we've sat down with him countless times and said look you can spend ten percent of the amount if you want on LMP2 and yeah. we'll do so well and yeah. he's like I'm not interested I want my name on the car I want to do it myself and. And I admire that as frustrating as, as it does get. I do admire that because the, the kind of 5% of the time when we have got a good result, um, it's been a real, real kind of family. It's the equivalent of Williams getting a podium yeah. when, we, when we get our you know, two or three podiums we've had. Yeah. Um, and that's really nice. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't uh, turn around and take up a Toyota LMP1 seat in a second because I would. Um, <laughs> but it's just what we're fighting for at the minute in the same way that George Russell um, abides by uh, his rules and obligations in Williams, but he would take up that Mercedes seat any second. Yeah, absolutely. And have you driven a Formula E car? I have, yeah. And it was much more fun than I thought it'd be. Really? Because uh, me and Harry have this debate a lot. Like, I'm still yet to be convinced on Formula E. I, I get that, I can't remember who said it, that, um, that someone told us that it's one of those, I think it might have been Sam, seen through glass Sam, said um, it's one of those motorsports that you need to go and watch live to really appreciate because it doesn't come across that well on TV. So I'm sort of yet to be convinced and I miss the whole noise of an engine and all that sort of stuff. Um, what, what's your take on it as a, as a series? Oh, you know, I'm not convinced with what Sam says. I'm, I'm actually even more the opposite. Really? Yeah, I feel like they do so. They've done so well with absolutely everything around that sport to cover up for the fact that Formula E is unbelievably boring. <laughs> they've done so well to make it. That's the, that's going to be our line for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's how it was. And do you know what? For over the years, Alejandro and Lucas Degrassi and everyone involved has done such an incredible job. I now find it exciting in person, but I would not try and convince someone by taking them there live because you don't right. have all of the gimmicks that you do on the TV to make it exciting and to yep. make it this Mario Kart style yep. excitement. 
Um, but like, jokes aside slightly f- for a minute, actually driving the car, the new generation car on a tight, twisty circuit, that's dirty does feel very, very, very quick. And you couldn't really go that much quicker in a Formula One car anyway, because yeah. they're so tight, the circuits. Mm. Yes, if you stick it round Barcelona, it will be like a Formula BMW. Yeah. Um, but on a street track, with those kind of drivers involved, with the new car, it now has a lot of credibility. Yeah, yeah. What, what's that? Um, what's the new one that they've brought out? The um, uh, the big 4x4, looks like an SUV, Alejandro. Oh, Extreme. Extreme. Oh, yeah, the Extreme. Extreme. Oh, yeah. That thing, I've seen a few YouTube clips of, clips of it. It's bonkers. It's absolutely rapid. Yeah, it is. Um, actually, the, my friends that I raced to get in, in Rallycross this year, the Hanson brothers, they went to test it a few months ago. And they said to me, although it's got a long way to go in terms of range, as with all of the electric yeah. cars when they first start, the actual power delivery is unbelievable. Because the yeah. thing we struggle with in, in the Rallycross cars um, is that turbo delivery has to be instant. So you have a huge anti-lag on there, but then you generate a lot of understeer. Whereas with the electric car, it's just instant all the time. So they said it's unbelievable. Would you, would you take a seat in Formula E if it came about? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mainly because, uh, obviously, like I said, it is fun on a tight track. But it's the it's the names you're up against. If it was a load of mm. dead names, then it probably wouldn't be worth it. But you can go and you know, it, it's this. It's probably the second best, or maybe best and most competitive championship probably in the world in terms of the names on the on the grid. It's yeah. more competitive than Formula and, One. And at least you see different race winners and different teams coming to the fore. It's not always you know what you'd expect. Uh, yeah. w- which is quite nice to see. It, in term, nice little segue. You know, on the reverse side with Formula One, you usually get what you expect to see, um, which is Mercedes with all their money and Ferrari and Red Bull up the top. Um, what's your view on the current state of, of Formula One, and are you looking forward to the the changes that they're planning to make to the cars in twenty twenty two season? Now is it? I'm trying to keep yeah, up. With now, yeah. So, now um, what's your take on on F one at the moment? I, I love it. I think the last two, maybe three, but definitely two years um, has been great. And I think if Formula One was the only motorsport out there, then I would probably be a bit more frustrated and want some more changes. Um, but everyone says, oh, there's so many championships out there now. And that's great. I mean, you've got IndyCar for what you want with a fixed championship. You've got a Formula 2 for the up-and-comers. You've got a Formula E for people who are outside of endurance or didn't get into Formula 1 or on the side of their WEC campaign. And you've got Le Mans for all the other stuff. Um, and I admire Formula 1 for its engineering as much as I do its driving. Yeah. Um, so as frustrating as it can be to see the same person win all the time, it's really also exciting to see the innovations in the teams. And now in the last two years, with the mid-pack being so exciting, um, I don't think I would change that much about it. I mean, do I want to suddenly see Norris win four races in a row? Yeah, it'd be super exciting. Of course it would. But then uh, not if it's fudged in a fake yeah. way. Not, yeah. if, not if they suddenly get given a huge break. And then that, using that same sort of terminology in, in the WEC, obviously there's quite a few changes coming up for that at the moment, particularly with how the LMP1 and the, the hybrid teams are going to work. What what are your feelings towards that over the next few years? I think the, the engineering side, it's a, it's a little bit of a shame because it will be slower, 100%. Um, so from a pure, you know, wanting to make the quickest possible thing on four wheels, um, that is a bit of a shame. But overall, if I run, if I were to run the championship and I was head of the ACR, I would do the same thing because we need that old GT1 era um, and the only way to get that back is by making these hypercars. And how exciting would it be if 
if Joe Bloggs or a very successful Joe Bloggs has a, a Valhalla or a, or a, or a whatever, a P1 GTR or a Senna GTR in his driveway and he gets to see something that at least looks like that mm. on the yeah. grid winning at Le Mans because now this, I mean, a Toyota winning at Le Mans, let's face it, I mean, a Toyota Yaris doesn't become a Toyota LMP1 car. Um, it's two completely different things. So it's really exciting if we do get this grid full of Valkyries and Senna GTRs. I'm not sure who's going to eventually sign up to it, but um, at the end of the day, seeing those win will sell cars, will generate more money, will make the championship yeah, last longer, and will make people fall in love with endurance again. Yeah. Mm. Also, I love the name Hypercar. just makes it sound even cooler. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it should be hovering or something. Yeah, yeah. that's the next level. <laughs> Ollie, you've, um, you've driven a, a very eclectic um, bunch of cars, both on and off the track. Um, I know that you're, you're very into your supercars, um, classic, modern classics, and, and all the rest of it. I'm sure it's a question you've been asked a number of times, but one uh, daily driver, one classic could be a modern classic, could be something older, and one race car for the rest of your life, what would you have? Um, yeah, this cars are just too good these days. That's the issue. Back in the day, cars were so average that you'd just have to pick the one that outstand. There was nothing near a McLaren F1 in its day, would it? So the easy answer yeah. back then was a McLaren F1 because nothing was near it. Um, now, I would. it's a daily driver, um, maybe, maybe an... 918 spider with a trailer on the back for the luggage or something and then <laughs> uh, i could so see ollie traveling around europe and one of yeah. those with his luggage in the uh, back his dog classic i would probably um even though it that there's just 99.9 percent of its dna is, is utter crap i would probably still have a a, a gt500 like an eleanor mustang from bullet and gone in 60 seconds yeah oh nice um, just to drool over yeah. and then race car I probably I probably have the nine one nine hybrid, the yeah. no rules WEC car, because yeah. um, it is just still the quickest thing on the planet for sure. I mean, if they just carried on running that project, it'd be quicker than a Formula One car for sure. Yeah, yeah, wow. And what about um, in the world of esports? Are you, are you big into that? There's, it's it's really ca- uh, coming up as well this year. It seems we've got no actual live race action. So can we see? Are you have you got a little rig set up at home, or are you into your your F one gaming? Yeah, it's all kind of happening quite quickly. So I was, uh, I've not been into it for a while. So back in 2010, I did a lot of um, sim driving at Red Bull, um, me and Vern at the Red Bull F1 sim stuff. And I was just on the phone to him before we started speaking, actually. And I'm going to be doing the next Not GP. Oh, awesome. Um, as they call it. Oh, brilliant. So I've got the rig all set up. It's kind of a rush because everyone's getting their rigs. So um, I'm announcing soon um, a partnership with um, a brand doing some stuff with Michelin on esports gaming. So it's all kind of come at once. So all the rigs here, games are all here. I'm trying to install and learn how to be on iRacing and Steam again. And uh, yeah. I, was, uh, I was racing Matty from WTF1 last night um, around Monza, and I definitely got it wrong because my throttle was my steering, and my steering was my throttle. So I had to use that for the race. So my setup <laughs> oh, no. definitely needs some work, and I definitely came last there. So he was laughing at me all night. But yes, is the answer. <laughs> Sports is going to be me for the next month. We're loving it. We're loving it, <laughs> Harry. This this could Brilliant. be your break into motorsport as well because there's no height restrictions. I could, no, there are no height. <laughs> see, I see, I could never be a racer because I'm six foot five and I've got size sixteen feet. So Oof, yeah. it's just never. I can't, you know, getting a foot into into any cockpit. Of any oh, cars no. I mean, my, I'm I'm size twelve feet, and I even remember. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's big. Yeah, for, for, yeah. in Formula Three, before it was a hand clutch and the brake was in the middle, the steering column came down over the 
brake and I had to shave the bottom of the chassis and shave the bottom of my shoe to be able oh to get god. under it. And that's size 12. So yeah, oh my god, no chance, yeah. mate. Right, eSports <laughs> is then. I better get my rig. Uh, although I have to play with assists. Uh, <laughs> I'll be doing with no traction control. Uh, um, but in the world of real racing, of course, there's one one uh, incredible result that we picked out. In the in, uh, in one of the, your races in Dubai, you is this correct? You, you were I on the grid this. in the 100th position and you finished in second. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 101st. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> so how 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 did you end up qualifying there, and then how did you carve your way through the field? Um, well, yeah, that was really interesting. So the year before, we'd we'd won the race outright with the same team, uh, with Mercedes, um, same teammates, um, Adam Christodoulou, Abdulaziz oh, Al Faisal, oh, um, some really good guys. And this uh, is this the Dubai twenty four hours. This is yeah. Dubai 24 hours, yeah. yeah. So then the next year, we had the, the updated car. Um, same chassis, but but all the updates on it. Um, and Patrick Essenheimer went out um, in practice um, in the car, and the f- car got filled with 110 litres of fuel, so full of fuel. Um, but one of the... Uh, well, anyway, we don't know what the issue is, and I'm probably not allowed to say from Mercedes, <laughs> but nearly, there was an issue. Nearly. That was uh, close. It, went into, it made it about 100 metres down into turn one, and the car literally exploded. Oh, my um, God. Like movie style, you know, gullwing doors kind of flew Ooh. open. Um, Didn't you end up in hospital with this? He, Yeah, he had to. Well, not no, I ended up in hospital a couple of years before ah, for a different reason. Okay. But he ended up in hospital this time. He had to jump out while the car was on fire and still moving. Right. Right. Um, God, and he suffered some pretty bad burns actually. Um, uh, so we're very, very happy that he's finally back into racing in the last couple of years. Now right. that he can get his helmet and everything back on. Um, so yeah, it completely burnt to the ground. And um, if you haven't seen the pictures, I will, I will send you them after. Mm. But that meant we had no car. We thought, well, that's it. We're out. You know, we can't, just, you know, build a new one because it's physically all ash. The whole thing was burnt to to a sizzle. Um, and then our teammate from the other car, from the other team, from the sister team said, oh, well, I, because uh, he's the prince of um, Saudi Arabia, he said, well, I, I keep our car from last year in my museum. But literally, Le Mans style, how it had finished, covered in dust, hasn't been touched for a year and a day since since we crossed the line in first. And he got it shipped overnight from Saudi Arabia, from his personal museum, to the track. They rebuilt it overnight from scratch, cleaned it all back up. We missed qualifying, missed testing, missed two days worth. Of it. And yeah, so we had to start 101st and oh last on the grid. Wow. But ended up wow. on the podium. Was it was the was the race full of absolute numpties? Or or can <laughs> or, can, or can, can you claim that you actually just did an incredible job and, and like Harry says, carved your way through the field? No, we um <laughs> We we got we did very well. I mean, I I'd love to say it was full of numpties, but it was a competitive year, and it was um, full of some really really good people. And we literally from that fire from lap one of the race, and this has never happened in twenty four hour race, and will never happen again. We had not a single issue. We were as quick as the front runners, not massively quicker, not massively slower, but we just had no issues, and we kept going and we kept going. And me and uh, Adam did the first couple of stints, and I think we got like 30 or 40 cars each because obviously it's easier in the beginning than the end. 
Um, and yeah, we actually live for a couple of hours at some point towards, um, towards the last few hours. So it's, it's, it's a shame we didn't kind of do the full yeah. one extra place. Yeah, well, that's gutty. But bloody hell, that is... From, from, it's amazing. I can't it's burnt to a crisp. To, well, it pays to have a, a prince in your team then, clearly. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's <laughs> definitely, definitely back in his museum now. He did the right thing because he was in the sister car and wasn't in our team that, at that time. And his other car... Uh, broke down halfway through the race and because his name was on the side of this car he just jumped in ours and started doing a few stints and ended up being in the car that was on the podium which was the oh. old car <laughs> it's actually a ridiculous story isn't it is, th- is this documented anywhere like is, is the is craziest there, motorsport story i've ever heard yeah is this is there any sort of not video evidence not like i don't believe you but <laughs> is, there, is, there is actually a, a friend of mine tim crawford and, and, and oh Andrews. yeah i know tim yeah yeah, yeah. so they they both filmed um, purely out of coincidence, the only videographer I've had at the Dubai 24 hours in the kind of seven years I've done it. And they filmed the whole thing from start to finish. He, on day one, he was gutted. He was like, well, I've got 10 seconds of footage. The car's burnt. We're not going to race. That's great. Yeah. And he ended up getting the best story ever. Yeah. yeah. That needs wow. to be repurposed and re-released. It's such a I cool know, story. Yeah. Um, so that's a, doc- that's a documentary waiting to happen. It though. totally is. <laughs> um, so we've, uh, we've heard your stories about your favorite car, um, and favorite cars. Uh, what's your favorite driving road? Um, so many, but all the ones that people generally talk about with these hairpins are just utter boring. Yeah, they, they look, look at, stunning, yeah. but yeah. they're just not fun to drive. No. Um, Route Napoleon I did last year, which was um, this mountain road on the way, I'm not sure where from, but to Monaco, um, which I did with, um, with a car tour company. Um, and I was the lead driver for this tour. So they have lead drivers. They had Tiff Nadell the year before and Nelson Piquet the year before that. And I was very lucky they invited me to come and be the lead driver. And the point of that is to, you know, drive safely, drive at the speed limit, but also kind of, you know, be the punching bag for anything coming so people behind can judge where you're going. But I got to drive some amazing roads on that. Um, and that was a stunning road. So if anyone wants to Google it, I think it's called Road route napoleon and it's on the way down to the monaco harbor right an hour and a half's drive down to uh unfortunately we're going to do it this year but it's that's not happening anymore yeah, is it i know yeah, no, it's a pity times. we did um uh, harry i might have mentioned that i used to manage ollie and uh, oh, God. And, every, uh honestly ollie every podcast he, there's, <laughs> there's some driver that if throughout the ranks that max shilton comes up with a lot <laughs> jamie, jamie chadwick <laughs> jamie Chad, there's um, always some driver he's got a connection with oh yeah jamie chadwick jamie. i forgot yeah yeah he used to look after her struan struan yeah. um but anyway, I digress. But we, we, <laughs> we went out to um, Razzle Kama and did the, uh, what was that road called? Jebel Jace. Jebel Jace. I'm doing a podcast tonight with James talking about that. Tonight. No way. So that's, Yeah, going back in time. So we, Harry, we put this together ages ago, years ago now, um, with yeah. Ollie and JWW from um, YouTube. And um, and we tore up Jebel Jace. Ollie was in a Ferrari. James was in a, a McLaren, I think it was. Blue, baby yes. blue McLaren. Yeah. And uh, this road is incredible. They, they shut the road down, uh, like 36 kilometres. Police shut it down. And Ollie and James just flew up this road. It, that is a pretty incredible um yeah, driving that was, that was one of the best projects ever that was so good and that was yeah that's definitely probably that's second i reckon that's yeah. that's second to root napoleon for sure because it's just so wide and flat yeah 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 so you're chatting with james tonight well, sounds like you guys had loads of fun yeah we uh, did yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Off, off your trot we'll, we'll carry on yeah <laughs> so you're chatting to, to jww tonight on his podcast 
Yeah, so uh, obviously a lot of his work and a lot of the YouTubers' work is kind of halted now because it all revolves yeah. around traveling. So we're kind of doing a, a look back at, at different things we mm. did. And um, I think it's still his highest viewed video ever on his page. You're welcome, James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at, at three or four million or something. And yeah, um, yeah it was just, wow. they closed the whole road down um, from the night before at the top and at the bottom. And I still remember one of the scariest things ever was fully drifting sideways through this kind of Pikes Peak style um, mountain pass. And then a, a truck with a family kind of sat in the back of this pickup truck was coming down the yes. opposite way because they'd been camping at the top of the mountain oh and God, they just yeah. hadn't been spotted the whole day. Um, so there was the odd straggler, but um, yeah, that was, that was super, super. And fun. we had and the, and uh, the WC, um, the, uh, what was it? The Lycan, w motors, w yeah, motors, the Lycan, um, which we took up there, which was uh, an, an incredibly expensive car and didn't like the hot temperatures um, and climbing that mountain one little bit. So that was all a bit nerve wracking, but an incredible experience. Anyway, we, we digress. We digress. <laughs> I think it's that time, Harry, old boy. For, um, oh, is it time for the hardest motorsport quiz ever? I think it might be. Oh, you didn't play the music last time. I know, I know. With that. <laughs> um, so this is the Motormouths quiz. Uh, I have four clips for you, Ollie, uh, which I'll play to you individually. One point for each. Um, and if you can tell me basically what's going on, what happened next, and a bit of rough context as, as to the situation. If you get any sort of amalgamation of that, I'll give you the point. Half points are awarded as well. Uh, Mark Priestley, uh, Blundell, Jenny Gao are top of the leaderboard at the moment, each with four. Abby Eaton, three and a half. Catherine Bonmeur is a lowly three points in the last position. So, in, oh, very west, very well timed. But three out of four is not bad. Now I'm under pressure. It's not, it doesn't actually, yeah. When you look at it, it's not actually that bad. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but still, that's a long way down the list. So where right. can you come? Shall we have a listen to the Go first clip? Right, you ready? Here we go. What happens here is braking towards a 100 meter board. Oh! And both. Both wheels just shatter off the... That's what you get. What's going on there? I oh, see. I thought there was all good. This is um, obviously way too self-involved. I thought there was all going to be about my racing career. <laughs> this is. Oh, no, there will be some. Don't you worry. Oh god. Um, so this is um, the Chinese Grand Prix down into the second to last corner in the hairpin. Boemi hits the brakes. Both front suspension uprights fail, and one wheel goes over the catch fencing into the crowd, and the other one goes into the gravel. Oliver James oh, wow. Webb. Very specific. Yes. Check yeah, full point you for that. Out. That is yes. one of, yeah. It's, that it's, deserves uh, a round of applause. <laughs> that is one of, that's an amazing crash, really. Um, to witness that happening is, is, is the oldest thing I've seen. It's a um, definite big fact. Okay, point. well, that's one point in the bag. So, yeah, we've got a couple more for you, which are so a bit more generic and then there's then there is a, a nice self-involved one for you <laughs> um so let's go to clip number two here we go lights out away we go and pastor maldonado shooting through was that a jump start and jensen button does make a good start of ball hamilton's contact what wow. is happening there Oh, I don't know. I was go- at first. So that- I was going to say it was Barcelona, but it's. I don't think it is. So Matt's Maldonado shooting through. Jensen Button's got a good start. This is sort of the era we're sort of the year. If that gives yeah. you a sort of reminder, and then just at the end, Hamilton contact, and then what happens next? Hamilton. Oh, okay. Is this spa into turn one? 
with Hamilton going over Alonso because Grosjean went down the inside and Maldonado had hit Grosjean. Is that what happened? That is that is exactly what yes. happened. So that was the big one in uh, 2012. Huge Can you tell crash. me all the drivers that were involved in that? Oh, <laughs> that's oh, mean. That Hang on. Is this for uh, a bonus point, Harry? Because uh, this will be, if if you do badly in the next two, you can have an extra point if you get all the drivers that oh, were involved. Okay, so Button, Hamilton, Grosjean, Alonso, Raikkonen. Did Vettel get hit? No, I don't think he did. There's a bit of a tough one in here. I feel like there's two more. Who have you said so far? Wait, hang on. Button, Button, Hamilton, yeah. Grosjean, yeah. Alonso. Yeah. Um. Wait, I just said another one as well, and I've already lost who that was. It's a pretty good uh, effort, to be fair. That's a good effort. There's there's three which uh, which are tough. Are tough. They're not they're not front of the field drivers, but they somehow ended up at the front of Ooh, the field. Wasn't the Catrum involved at the not Catrum? Um, wasn't uh, didn't Lotterer? Did, was that the race oh, where Lotterer came in for one it? race? Oh yes, actually you're, that, you're right there, but he wasn't involved. I'll, oh. I'll give I'll give you the last couple. So it was Kobayashi Tough who one. was actually oh. second on the grid. I've given that uh, card that he crashed in that exactly. race. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, his teammate Perez and of course Maldonado, um, who got a got a clipping just today. So yeah, pretty much half the bloody field. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? You're getting a full point for that. Way. Yes. Um, Okay, clip number three, please. Here we go. Three Bottas, round round turn three, we go. And it's Nico Rosberg and Hamilton's onto the grass. What happened next? Turn three, Barcelona with Hamilton and Rosberg when they took each other out in a Vettel Weber style into the gravel. <laughs> is that right? Yes, that absolutely. Is absolutely correct. That is three points. I'm normally so bad at these as well. So I'm no, you're doing quite well, to be fair. It's, it all rests on this one. You could literally go from bottom of the pile to top if you get this one correct, okay? <sighs> so um, what are you talking about? The very first time I ever came here was actually to race here. I'd never even visited to watch. I didn't know what to expect, but it, it, this place is like magical on so many levels. Ah, oh, that is um, me talking about Le Mans. The first, I'd, I'd never even been to Le Mans as a spectator before until the first time I actually went there to, to race. That is a full house. Four points. Yes. Hey. Well, I think we need to change up the quiz because right now it's a, a four-way tie for top spot. We need a bonus We need a bonus question. I think we should chuck in a bonus question. Can, can we, a bonus so that question. I can be in the lead or not. Can we, can we come oh, up with um, one? Uh, okay, question. I've got one. Go on. Uh, in 2012, because Roman Grosjean was uh, basically binned off from Formula One after that huge crash in Spa for a, for a race, what driver replaced him? Oh. Good question. Uh, this, this is when he got too many points on his license, was it? Yeah, so he got too many yeah. points, and the crash in at Spa kind of sent him over the top. And then he was racing at the time for, of course, uh, uh, Lotus. Yeah. Uh, and so the driver that subbed in, it was at the Italian Grand Prix. Oh no! This is a high-pressure environment right um, here. This is for the top. This of the is. A, I can't believe I've got this out of my bread right now. That was yeah, very impressive. Come on, Ollie. And this was 2012. 2012. Uh, I'll give you a couple of clues. So clue number one, he's still active racing today uh, in a series that we have already mentioned um, in, in the podcast. 
yeah. he has raced in Formula One previously. Oh, okay, a so driver. Uh, I, it's uh, right, he's a Formula E driver. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking he's. Oh. <laughs> oh, it might this might this might take too long, so I might have to give up. But I'm thinking he's still kind of associated to either Audi or Lotus or something like that. For some, oh. Do you want the answer? No, go on. Yeah, I can't get it. It was Jerome D'Ambrosio. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm afraid I cannot give you uh, the extra point, but oh. you're still tied in the lead. So oh, we, that's all right. Come back and do a final shootout at the end of the year. So, um, so we've now got what a full four way. So right now, yeah. So now it's it's Ollie, uh, Jenny Gow, Mark Lundell, Mark Priestley. Well, well done, Ollie. But the latest person to get four goes at the top. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, that is how it works. To be fair, so you <laughs> yes. are. Do you know you what? We, at the top of my what we could do hastily scribbled list. We could do it by time. Whoever did it in the quickest time could go top. Oh, I was too detailed in my replies. I yeah. should have just screamed them. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I like detail. If you get detail, you, you, you get you're you're already on to an extra point. But well, thank you for playing the hardest quiz in motorsport, Motor Mouths. Ollie, well Webb. done. Well done, Ollie. <laughs> terrific effort. Terrific effort. Um, now. Let's have a few random ones. Pets. I believe you've got a dog. I do. Yes, little Stella. Stella. And is what this what kind of dog is it? Uh, she is a Cavapuchon, which Ooh. is the manliest dog's name ever. Uh, <laughs> that is quite a, a cavalier, dog. a poodle, and a bichon uh, that had a nice uh, kind of uh, night out and decided to get a bit freaky. I bet, bloody hell. <laughs> is this joint, is joint custody? Like, do, do, you, do you guys, I don't know whether you live with the missus, but who looks after the dog? Yeah, we live together. So uh, obviously we both travel a lot, but we tend not to most of the time when I'm racing, she's here. When she's going to America and doing her work, I'm here. So most of the time we manage to share custody pretty evenly. And if not, our good friends and next door neighbours actually have the exact same breed dog as well. So she goes oh. over there. Oh, the, the Cheshire set. <laughs> do you have any passions outside of motorsport oh god this is the most uh, uh boring answer probably for most racing drivers say the same thing i mean <laughs> passions outside of motorsport uh i mean i've always loved my photography and video editing and i always studied that at school um so kind of oh, i love watching those and editing those myself when i go away um Play a bit of guitar. Want to learn how to play the piano? I'm kind of cook a few songs oh, in, and this is the well, perfect you got, you got time the to time do that now. now. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> another member, another member of the band, Harry. Yeah. Another, yeah. It's like we, me and Tim, can both sing. So uh, well, sing. <laughs> I'll do all the uh, instruments. So yeah, <laughs> multi-talented. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got six months. We have a long. This is going to go on for. <laughs> um, what are you crap at though? Football. Terrible. Really, really. So bad. Yeah. How did you so, discover that? <laughs> oh, so pr- probably from all the countless times in the paddock where I have to avoid the reason why I'm not playing keepy-ups with the rest of the drivers. Yeah. <laughs> I was terrible. I, I peaked, uh, my, my sporting career peaked as the under-12 B-team goalie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you should be great in goal. Sport. It's because I was the biggest guy there. That's why they stuck me in goal. <laughs> could barely take a goal kick. You could, be a, <laughs> you could be a number eight, Harry. You just need to bulk up a little bit. Bulk up a little bit, yeah. Well, you know these uh, Joe Wicks things, and uh, you know you my go. porridge in the morning. It's all coming. It's all coming through. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, what's the uh, what's the plan for the future? What's the five year plan? Do you have one, or are you taking it year by year, or just wondering when you're going to get out of the coronavirus? I think everyone's plans are out the window right now, aren't they? Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess the plan the plan is to to win the world endurance championship and then repeat four times. But um, <laughs> on the side of that. Um, 
I don't know. I've, I've, I, I commentate on IndyCar for BT Sport um, and I do a little bit of presenting. I get the dream kind of side job or post job at the end of uh, hopefully a, a long, illustrious career in, in World Endurance Championship would be to present similar like Martin Brundle does or maybe Top Gear or something like that. I mean, I'm obviously passionate about um, cars and, and motorsport. So to be able to, to continue down that path or be involved in some way, like a lot of these guys do. I mean, Jensen's now a contributor with, with Sky Sports, with Anthony yeah. Davidson. Mm. I think they do a great job of it. And I think that's that'd be a great thing to do. Yeah. You've, you, you must know uh, Chris Harris, don't you, through supercar experiences and so on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get in there. Yeah. Yeah, you get out, son. Yeah. Forget Freddie and there Paddy. You, you know, get in there. Yeah, Freddie and Paddy. <laughs> it is it is hilarious, actually. To be fair, I mean, it, it, as far as the other eighty nine presenters have tried in recent years, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's the best. Hell, yeah. It's the best current mix, anyway. But, I think um, they've they've saved it just about. I think. But yeah. like, I, mean, I was in America. Gonna... I was in America last month, and I was um, at an audition for a different show. Um, and they were like, "Oh, do you know what? It's a shame you didn't come in last week because they, lo- they were looking for a new presenter with an English accent who's involved in motorsport for Top Gear America." I was like, oh. "You are kidding me!" Oh. Yeah, so I just missed out on that one. Oh. Why would you tell someone that? That is like, I do not I want know. to hear that. <laughs> oh yeah, shame you weren't here last year. You would have definitely got it, but oh well. Uh, there's the door. Um, uh, what's the? Oh, what's my other question? I've lost it. Now. Oh yeah, um, any talents that the public doesn't know about? Um, guitar maybe uh, are you are you, are you are you are you on the grades with guitar or are you just sort of freestyle um just a bit of freestyle really yeah. um yeah I did it a lot when i was younger when i was at school haven't done it for a while properly but um most of the videos that i post up um other than the super professional tourism board ones most almost all the other ones are edited by me so i'm really into my editing um that's where it stops really that's it <laughs> yeah fair enough it's funny not not many of the the people that we've had on this show have said they've actually got major talents outside of what they're doing maybe bar uh jenny gow who said she was a brilliant cook but yes, oh really that was and i think what did blundell say he was oh car salesman was what he that's what he car would do salesman. that would be his talent what he would do if he selling wasn't cars. Doing, selling secondhand cars yeah oh i love it love it uh, all right i'm gonna put you on the spot here um, i want a quick answer to this oh a quick answer who's your favorite youtuber <gasps> oh different for different situation uh sam makes me laugh every time yeah I like sam, sam makes me laugh every time um, is that a world that you want to get more involved with? Is there is the the Ollie Web YouTube channel gonna continue to grow? Um, a few years back, I thought, oh, you know, I, this kind of daily vlog thing, this would be really fun. Um, and I very very quickly realised that if I'm going to be anywhere near as good as these guys who are doing it full 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 time, and it is a full full time yeah, thing, do it every day. Um, yeah, it would just sacrifice other stuff. And uh, it was a very, very easy answer to me. I said, no. I said, I can spend 20 minutes every night on Instagram, on my phone, before I go to bed, edit a picture or a video, upload it, and it's not affected my day. And then I can wake up and focus on winning a championship again. If I started YouTube, it would affect stuff. So I'm not willing to do that yet. Yeah. So uh, Instagram it is, and that, that's all I do pretty much. Yeah, I, it, I think a lot of people have a similar kind of thought process with that. Um, Nikki Shields, um, Harry works with Nikki quite a lot, and her YouTube channel got some decent traction. But again, she, you know, she's got a young son now. Um, she's traveling around. She can't do it every day. And I think you, it, it's a full-time job. Yeah, totally. It really, it, you know, isn't it? It's a full-time job. Completely, to, to, completely. to have the success that you want, it's a full-time job. Yeah, and the quality of, of what some of what some of them are putting out not all of them but some of them are is almost kind of old school kind of top gear series yeah. mm. style stuff and if you're going to do that 
three times a week, you're doing three times as much as a kind of a, a full BBC show with one person. So it's, um, and maybe a couple of editors or whatever. So it is really, really hard what some of them do. Yeah. I say mm. some of them. Some of them. <laughs> Not naming any names. Um, okay, well, we've got uh, a final four questions for you, if we're ready to, to go on to them, Tim. Yes. Uh, so we ask all of our guests these same four questions and we get a whole plethora of different answers. So, mm. Ollie Webb, what's got you excited at the moment? What's got me excited? Esports, I think. Yeah, e-gaming and e-racing and being able to race against people you wouldn't normally do. Um, so yeah, it's a mix of championships all in one in one room. Excellent, and, mm-hmm. we, and we'll we'll see you on an esport race soon. That's exciting. We'll obviously be cheering you on. And and one of our previous podcast guests, um, Abby Eaton. Was she in the last one, or she's coming up she was, in the next yeah, one? Yeah, she was in the. She was not in not not the not GP ones, but she was in one of the i racing. That's ones. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few actually. There's, there's a few. Track on them. Yeah, Harry, go ahead. Um, if you well, would you be a professional guitar player? That's the question. If you weren't a <laughs> racing driver, <laughs> uh, I would love if I wasn't a racing driver to be a Red Bull Air Race pilot. Ooh, without oh wow, great answer. Yeah. Specific. Yeah, I would. I've, I've been up in in one before. Um, and the guy was mental enough to give me the stick at a decent enough height that I couldn't kill us if it started going wrong. Yeah. Um, and yeah, pulling, pull tape 10 point, uh, no, 11.8 G mm. that day. And that was, uh, I'll never forget wow. that. However, never forget that. You, that dream will never come to reality because it doesn't exist anymore. I know. Can you believe it? So he's, I mean, that's exactly what he did. He bought one of the last rebel aeroplanes yeah. when the championship ended and he just does it for fun now. So he, yeah. his, his timeout during the coronavirus is taking his plane up into the sky. Amazing. Yeah. No, oh, it, wow. it was, it was very Ooh. cool. Very cool race. You have to do a red arrow or something else instead. Yeah. Um, I love the red arrows. If I see the red arrows, when, when they do Silverstone and I'm at, at the race, um, if they fly over me, I tend to just burst into tears. Can't hack it. Well, I've, I've got a little story about the red arrows. If we've got time. Actually. Yeah, yeah, of course we have. Yeah, no, go for um, it. So I, I worked at BAC Mono, the car company, for about six, seven years. Mm. And um, uh, a, a guy from the Red Arrows um, who uh, got very friendly with, with the team there, um, with Neil Briggs, um, who was having his christening on one of the weekends near Alton Park. Um, so we're kind of back and forth texting this Red Arrows pilot, um, Goodwood, different events. Um, and out of the blue during this christening, um, he said, oh, I see you near Alton Park. We're, we're actually on the way to London um, from this RAF base near Alton Park um, to do a salute to the Queen. And obviously, they're only allowed out when they do these shows. Other than that, it's just a practice. Um, so I have a video of uh, the full RAF squadron, who apparently to this day is still the only time they've ever done it because it's super against the rules. Um, because the flight path that they had to log literally crossed over Alter Park where this christening of this little church was happening. And they descended below their legal amount um, and turned the smoke on and came over a christening in Cheshire of about 15 people and wow. did a private Red Arrows display while we're texting the pilot as he's coming over. Oh us, and I've got god. a video of it. It's unbelievable. Oh my god, that is amazing. I'd have yeah. definitely <laughs> cried. Uh, stuff like that just gets me. Anything, even when I see that there's that aircraft called the, uh, is it the, the Falcon? The big one? Yes. It look, looks like one giant wing, like a giant triangle. Have you seen yeah. it, Harry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen them. They had it at Goodwood yeah. <coughs> until it stopped flying a few years ago. And that's that as well. It just gets me going. It just chokes me up. I get emotional. Pathetic. Oh, get a grip. machines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing. Anyway, um, how much of your success is about luck and right place, right time, and how much do you put down to just sheer hard work? 
Um, 70-30, hard work to luck. I think um, you aren't going to be in the right paddock or in front of the right people unless you've been successful and no one's going to take your meeting unless you've won the championship or done the right thing in the first place. Of course, I'd love to say it's 100% that, but there's your 70%. And then your right place, your right time is generated from that 70. You don't get that 30 without that 70, but yeah. there is anyone who says it's 100% hard work is, is, is kidding themselves. Unfortunately, mm. we live in a cruel world. The only way you can fix that is, is market yourself well and get yourself out there and, and yeah. be in the right place to tell people you've won the championship. 100%. And we said at the top of the show in the intro that you're, you're the hardest um, working man in motorsport. And obviously we say that's like tongue in cheek, but it's not far from the truth. I mean, you know, having worked with you, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how hard you work and you're always working the sponsors and looking for a new angle and trying to make yourself different from everyone else. Um, so, uh, so hat tip to you, my friend. It's, uh, it's impressive the amount of work you put into your, your, uh, your passion. I appreciate that. Thanks for dealing with me. I'm fucking annoying. I know it. Oh, he's so annoying. He's, he's just always on it. Have we got a sponsor yet? You've got a sponsor. No, Ollie. No. I'm having a cup of tea. Leave me alone. I'm literally a manager's worst nightmare. Definitely. No, you were. You, you, were, you were nice to manage. I've had worse. I've only had five so that you can tell the other, the, what the other ones were. Like. Oh, Jamie's smashing uh, it. Yeah, yeah well. she's, she's doing uh, well. She's doing really doing well. really well. And uh, again, uh, Harry, you'll um, throw daggers my way. I take full credit for where she is. Um, <laughs> had it not been for me. This happened uh, when she when you went managing she, her. Though, she, yes, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it's funny. It, the building blocks. It's the building. Thank blocks. you. It's all about the building blocks. It's all about the building it? blocks. Yeah, yeah. Pushing her into that first single seater car in British F3. Thank you very much. It's, it's funny as well. When I stopped, nearly the week that I stopped managing Max Chilton, he came fourth in the Indy 500. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, what the hell? Um, right, Harry, over to you for the, the final question. Yeah, the final one, Ollie. Um, this is quite a complicated question, so just brace yourself. Yeah. What are you scared of? What am I scared of? Uh, losing and spiders. Spiders. Losing yeah. and spiders. <laughs> oh. Not, not the, the small ones. That said, not the small oh, ones, they're fine. Like a tarantula or something. Tarantula, like hairy... 20 eyes. Yeah. Is that how many no, is that how many eyes they've got? How many eyes do have spiders yeah, yeah, have? Yeah. Do they actually have they've 20? Got eyes? 20 they've got one 20 too many. between 20 and a million that's the best answer I've ever heard Um, excellent well Ollie look thanks very much for joining us Um, Mm. it's whizzed by Um, thank you for for dialing in from your home up in somewhere up north wherever wherever those people (laughs) frequent have um, have fun in your isolation Uh, I hope you yes enjoy it try my best enjoy it and uh, and hopefully you'll get to turn some wheels at some point this season and uh, we'll be keeping track of your progress and um, I'm sure we'll see you in a paddock very soon Ollie Webb thank you for joining us thank you so much for listening and giving up your time for us we'll be back with another episode soon if you've missed any of the previous episodes you can take a hop back in your chosen podcast player and find them all there and don't forget there's also loads more content on MMTV and the Motormouth app available to download on any device now Uh, and to continue uh, to allow us to help create lots of cool content and to keep making these podcasts we want to let you know about our new patron program and how you can join it just starts from five pounds a month to 10 or 20 each tier allows you slightly different levels of access depending on which one you choose you can enjoy early access to podcast episodes exclusive member benefits merchandise shout outs add your chance to feature on one of our shows any support you can give us is massively appreciated and will help us grow and continue to bring cool content to race fans all over the world just search for us on patreon.com or you can find out all the details across our socials 
socials. On Twitter, it's at Motormouth underscore. Instagram, at Motormouth underscore official. And on Facebook, just search Motormouth. Like, subscribe and review if you feel so inclined as well. It really helps people to find the podcast. But in the meantime, from myself and Tim, we'll catch you next time.